We are live, sir. How are you today? It's worn out, man. Worn out. <laughs> I was trying to do the tally of, you know, 10 straight days of entertaining people. And it's oh, like, well, funny. no, I mean, it was a couple of big dinners, then my dad's birthday, then the Super Bowl party, then, you know, meetings, then the blowout Friday and a blowout Saturday. And but I lit my ass back into town yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like i'm 25 anymore <laughs> yeah it's hard to keep up with that that fucking schedule man that is definitely yeah. not what i not something i could do i tell you uh yeah my big weekend was uh arts festival in the grove yep that's nice although the caliber of artists weren't quite up to normal stature this year i noticed that last year too yeah um it was only like three or four that I actually liked. There was one artist I loved, freaking loved. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to get him on a gotcha machine because his shit's really cool. He's already done a couple of NFTs with his stuff, but his art is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, um, was it one of the ones that you shared on Twitter? Uh, that yeah. Picture? That one picture. Um, yeah, he does this, he, he does this, he, he patterns his art after his, um, his son's point of view. And um, there's one piece of art that is like everything that my children talk to me about, about all the anxiety and shit that they think about in this world is encompassed mm -hmm. in this one big, beautiful art piece. Anyway, he's done animated versions of his art. Um, really just amazing shit. So I'd love to see him. Uh, I'd love him to see him do some NFTs with that. So we'll see what happens. That would be cool. That would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's see. Uh, I want to see. I mean, I've got a bunch of news loaded up, but since Matt's already waiting, why don't we bring Matt on now to chat? And then yeah. after he leaves, we can hit some of the news stories. Sound good to you? Sounds good. Yeah. Matt, absolutely. you ready? Can you hear me? Matt's, Matt's live. Hey, guys. Good morning. Can you hear me? We can hear yes, you. Yes, I can. Your video is hey. lagging a bit. Okay, I don't need video anyway, do I? I don't know. Um, Not really. <laughs> Brad, Joe, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Hey, um, it's great to have you on, buddy. And thanks, uh, thanks for um, connecting us with uh, Darren or Dylan. 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 Yeah. Dylan that was an awesome. Right, you guys, that was an awesome interview. Guys, that was that's a cool project. I'm glad to hear it. Dylan is a very bright young man. I met him at um consensus in austin last year um at what was it um it's called supermoon they had a party after consensus like the, ah. you know they're kind of known for throwing great events i'll tell you a little sure. bit more about them in a bit when we uh, talk about east denver um but Dylan was there and he was talking about ZK roll-ups and he was like the only person in the room talking about ZK roll-ups. And when there's, you know, someone in the room that's talking about something that nobody else has heard of, um, they're probably not crazy. They're probably onto something, you know, new. And so I've, I've come to learn that Dylan's always on, you know, the edge of something new. So it's great to collaborate with him. I'm glad you guys got a chance to meet. Um, I saw two podcasts on my calendar at the same time. And I was like, yeah, these guys should meet. They should totally just do one together. Two birds. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Um, so, so Matt, your company is Purple Square Media. Why don't you give folks a little bit of background on you because it's interesting, and then uh, talk to us about what you're doing with Purple Square Media. Um, sure. Besides Let's being a master networker and and facilitator. Uh, my name is Matthew Karsten. I am the founder of Purple Squirrel Media. And Purple Squirrel Media is a decentralized streaming network building on Solana. And what does that mean? It means we're disrupting media with decentralization. Um, and we do that a lot. We do that by, of course, uh, improving the user experience for streaming content. And we do that with things like NFTs and gamifying content. And um, for distribution, it allows us to reach a larger audience, more audiences um, and more specific, um, like niche audiences. Right. Um, cool. So our goal is to create a decentralized streaming network that empowers content creators and providers to, uh, with a more engaging and immersive experience. Um, right now, we're working on AR VR stuff. Um, we believe that, you know, traditional media is really ripe for disruption. Um, it's usually at the forefront of what's new. Um, and we're excited to be here. Really, really excited to be here. Um, what, where did we meet? We met at, um, Quantum, Quantum, Quantum Miami. Quantum Miami was just a couple weeks ago. And then yeah. that was great. It was like, um, hmm, I would compare it to like Decentral. In Miami last year, it was kind of done at like this um, hotel convention center that looks more like a mall. So it was yeah. kind of like a big open, um, what do you call it, bazaar. It was like a big bazaar of Bitcoin yep. people. And it was great. And um, then it was Hack Week Miami, which was craziness. It was uh, like all of Wynwood, Miami was taken over by developers so Solana Embassy was involved. The Cube was involved. Um, there was a lot. It was it was great. I mean, I got to work with Niantic while I was there, which they're like the creators of Pokemon Go, and nice. I learned cool stuff like about VPS. Have you guys ever heard of VPS as opposed to GPS? So no, sort of like only in the context of virtual private server. So not virtual private server, but like visual positioning system. And so it's more accurate, like GPS is from the satellites, it's accurate down to like 10 feet. VPS is accurate down to like one centimeter and it uses that LiDAR scanner on the back of your phone. So wow. one of the, one of the companies that's actually utilizing LiDAR, um, it has a lot of like AR, VR applications, um, which I, I thought was very cool. I felt like I was doing a science project all week. Uh, that's nice. Now I'm, super deep in the the ar vr like it went from building an ar vr game on your phone to like building games in unity and learning like you know editing software like blender so um a lot of uh you know high level learning going on there and now i'm applying it directly to what we're learning so it's all great stuff that's great can you give us an idea kind of the kinds of things you're working on uh to deploy on solana and in, in in some more detail or the kinds of projects oh. you're working on it so we just did last week this very big project with this um, this artist. His name's DeAndre DeVoe in Miami, and he is the founder of Third Eye Apes. And uh, this project is called Woke Apes. So he's a he's a special artist, like you say. I love when I meet you know just a cool artist, and he hand draws all of his like board ape 
layers, if that makes sense, for his NFT collection. So like nice. he hand draws all of the eyes, all of the mouths, all of the every uh, the wings, everything. And um, I thought that was just, that's really original like, in the NFT space. And so yeah. a, and his first collection was really successful. They raised like um, $300,000 in Ethereum. And I said, well, nice. hey, let's take that, that success. And so we minted a 10,000 generative art collection called the Woke Apes with a company called Crossmint. I'm trying to um, get you guys in contact with actually. But um, sure. and on Solana. So um, that, you know, means the transaction speeds. And actually this NFT collection is cool because it's one of the first that I've seen that's available to be purchased in Solana, Ethereum, with credit card, with debit card, and with Apple Oh, wow. Pay. Nice. So it's like more accessible than 99% of the other NFTs um, out there currently. It's not launched yet, but we did mint it on Solana. There's still some some back-end things for the, the community development and a launch that need to happen. But nice. it's all happening right now. And then... Brad, but real quick, though, Matt. What about like Gotcha Machine for that kind of a mint? Oh, Absolutely. What? Yeah, now, de- but de- deploying that to um, Solana is a, a a much more difficult thing. No, um, it because, is because okay. yeah, this is all EVM compatible code. I mean, there are some EVM compatible stuff happening over there, but um, uh, I don't think uh, it's that's quite not usually the problem. Like literally, most of our development with Solana has been building out the Solana ecosystem of things that already exist on other ecosystems, but doing it because of the transaction cost and speed i mean that's really yeah no i mean this is a this is a protocol um um that uh would have to be completely converted to rust or utilize i think there's an an evm um translator on solana i if i remember correctly i was talking about it at some point joe that may Mm. be able to make it work there but um yeah it would require it would require some work on the gotcha team to get it over there yeah Explain what it is. Yeah. No, you go. So, um, Gachapon, uh, well, it was built, it was built on a a platform called Doki Doki, which is, um, um, essentially mimics real life, what are called Gachapon machines in Japan. And Gachapon machines are placed in stores where they're filled with collectibles. Um, and you put a quarter or whatever it is, a token into these machines and you turn the handle and out comes the other side, some collectible randomly of what you would get. And so Japanese vending machine. Yeah. 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 And so what they did was they took the idea of, um, distributing NFTs, um, instead of basing price on the NFTs on, uh, the rarity of the NFT and having different prices for different levels of rarity, et cetera, capabilities or whatever of the NFT. Um, the Gachapon machines on the on the Doki Doki platform allow you to, an artist to load up all of their art into the machine, set one price for it, and then the collectors randomly could get something exceedingly rare or something common. Um, so it becomes like a gamified version of NFT distribution. So instead of everyone rushing to mint um, you know, and try to get the most rare ones and, and paying up top dollar for those. Every person that's a collector has an equal opportunity to get something incredibly rare um, or something common, but at all at a flat price. And so it's kind of this gamified system. Um, the, the whole mechanism is, of it is very gamified. And so they converted provable, that into a, go ahead. It's provably fair. 
that's yes. the word that I've heard recently to describe yes. new vending style or like it's provably fair. You know, it's almost, exactly um, that's that's amazing. And I um, just remembered that there is a problem or uh, a project on Solana that we're working on in one of the hack houses is called Maki, and it's meant to be a Solana Pay vending machine, like via QR uh -huh. code or via your Solana wallet. Oh, cool. And um, I think it would work in in several ways. Like it, even if it was if it was digital or physical, I can definitely see that being something to to talk about. Something. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool for the artists too. Um, they can just set the flat price, um, and then you know they uh, overall on average earn more from a gachapon machine than they do trying to sell. Uh, work one-offs uh, or, you know, in smaller mint sizes. So it's it's a cool concept. Anyway, they created a protocol out of it so that now developers can integrate it into games, uh, integrate it into uh, other uh, NFT applications, that kind of thing. I see. So, yeah. That sounds, that sounds very, um, very cool. I'm be, I want to get one now. I want to try it. Yeah, um, check it out. It's a dokidoki.com or gotcha.com either one i think works so actually yeah they're doing a um there was the old tokens were zuki and and doki and they're merging it into a new one that's going to be called gotcha and you know it's going to be based upon how many times people spun the the gotcha machine or played it and how much you hold in those other tokens um but when that comes out, it it's probably going to really run is my guess just because you know every time we mentioned this brad everybody's like now it just keeps getting more and more resonance with people yeah. where at first remember a year ago everybody was like what well now everybody because of all the problems in say the nft space and fair launching you know now i see that just the way matt reacted a lot more positive reaction up front for it yeah makes sense makes yeah. total sense yeah i'm excited for it so we'll see what happens so anyway um that's that's uh that's gotcha that's doki doki um, i actually have um, advisor i'm gonna i'm on this like volunteer programming board this company out in la it's this like accelerator for startups it's called start out and i have an advisor named brad shout out to brad very nice guy but he actually besides being a former vp of jc penny before that went up um he makes he had like this big run of um building he's like he's a tinkerer he likes to build vending machines with his own games huh. in them and program them and he's nice. like it's several times in the past has had the business of building and distributing his own like art, little arcades and um, vending machines and stuff. So if there's a, a physical device that needs to be built, there's definitely um, access within our own network of people to take care of these things. That's cool. Well, Brad, remember we were talking to that museum guy from Austin that I think it was about a year ago. And they would do fundraisers, you know, physical fundraisers, and people would come in and play games and do different things. And, you know, you could really see how a physical device, like a slot machine kind of thing, or actually like a Japanese gachapon machine, could be done. And then what could come out of it would be NFTs. Yeah, um, that'd be very wallets, cool. You know, yeah. and I think that would fit in well with what, Matt, you're saying with your buddy, um, uh, the other Brad. It's like an NFT ATM. Yeah. Hey, yeah. don't get me started on ATMs. I'm at Shree House right now in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Shree is a is, is a builder on Solana, a uh, lead Solana developer, and um, actually helped me with that Crossman project. But our first project where I met him 
uh, I met Sheree in the Launch House, Beverly Hills, Solana Foundation Hackathon. Our first project was the Solana Pay ATM. And I kid you not, we went downtown LA, bought a secondhand ATM, loaded it up in his friend's white van. I'm laying down horizontally in the back of this white van holding an ATM. And I'm, uh, you know, going back up to Beverly Hills to Paris Hilton's house. And I'm like, literally, if we get pulled over and I'm in the back of this white van, (laughs) like, there's there's no saving us. I was like, this is that risk management that I was talking about, guys. That's awesome. And then proceeded to crack it open and, like, you know, put a new screen in it for an NFT gallery and like build put a raspberry pi in it and make it compatible with solana pay and i learned two things a atms since like 1965 no longer need to go to the dump you know the new atms that don't or have the chip reader so the old ones have the chip reader they just toss them and it's like these things can be repurposed in other countries they can be used for a digital sure. currency, um nfts etc but then um i also learned that hardware is really impressive in hackathons. People like to see things and you know, physically, you can't see what people are doing. Absolutely. So they liked that. And I was like, Oh, okay. More hardware. That's very cool. That's a great (laughs) idea. Actually. I love that. I love that. That's brilliant. That's really cool. So, so tell us, I mean, you're, you know, you, you really seem to be someone who spends a lot of time kind of facilitate, facilitating creators and artists and media people, um, all together. Um, you know, kind of from, for, from your perspective, how do you kind of refer to yourself in the ecosystem? Do you, do you kind of see yourself as a project lead or, um, are you spearheading projects that you think of? Are you trying to help people succeed with their projects or all the above? I mean, kind of give us an idea of how that, how you function in the world. You know, it really is all of the above. And I, I constantly am, am wondering how I function in the world. But um, <laughs> my, my goal is definitely to, um, is to, to do all of those things. I, I realized early on building Purple Squirrel Media, um, a streaming network, that, it, you know, it's a huge endeavor in that, you know, I do have really ambitious goals and big dreams. And those things um, aren't to be accomplished alone. And so I knew that it was something that I, w- I could never take on alone. So I better get really good at working with other people, <laughs> a wide variety of people who are much smarter than me and be able to facilitate building together. Um, and I think Web3 has kind of, you know, this is something we were, have been trying to describe for a long time. And now there's this friendly new term called Web3 that kind of explains this remote um, you know, software developing, work from home type of um, traveling consultant in the blockchain industry. Like it was a really undefined lifestyle. And now it's something that we've given a face and um, a routine and an itinerary. And it's turning out to be something that's allowing us to build really fast. And that's awesome. Much cheaper than how it's been done in the, in the past. So on the pitch deck, we put Purple Squirrel Media reduces infrastructure costs by 77% as compared to like a traditional streaming studio or content studio. That's awesome. It's it's all blockchain software, plus there's 150 ways to monetize your content online. So, Wow. Hey, you might send me that. Hey, can you send me your pitch deck in Telegram so I can take a look at it? Yeah. All right. Thanks. I got a bunch of them. 
Oh, Oops. I think we lost him. I think he was going to look. He has the link. He'll come back. Um, yeah. Because I want to make sure we talk about what he's going to be at East Denver, too. Oh, good. Yeah. And so he got his thing. Um, I think what's his, he has another piece, B&B chain, I think, or something, podcast that he's involved in. I, I think I think he was talking to them when we were with him at Quantum. And um, I can't remember who was tied. I mean, obviously, something to do with Binance, but there was another couple of big groups in there. But um, so he's there, too, as a proof podcaster, you know, nice. like us. Nice. <clears throat> Love it. Um, Let me just well, see where he is. Oh, here he is. Hey. Yeah, um, you got dropped, dude. He's, you got dropped. All right. In the meantime, I'll start looking. There he is. Okay, cool. You're I, back. Tried to send you, I tried to send you something on Telegram, and it kicked me right out. Jeez. Yeah, no, I see it here. I see some of the stuff coming on Telegram. So, um, oh, nice. Oh, look at this. It's, oh, he's got like live, like text of our show running automatically. Can you see it? Hold on. Yeah, I think he did a, um, I, I think he used ChatGPT to generate a potential yeah. interview. That's yeah, pretty cool. All right, here, I'll just shoot it over to you. You can take a look, too. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's Adam. Hey. There we go, buddy. Sorry <laughs> about that. I'm not going to try to send you anything else right now. Yeah, okay, Do that's it after fine. we're done, man, because we want to hear all about your plans for East Denver. So I'll be doing – we're helping on the streaming crew for the, you know, the discords and the Twitch and all of the stuff that's happening, the streaming, the live events which I think is great content to have access to you, to be able to see what everybody's, um, you know, to review the tapes, see who is there. <laughs> I like to, you know, how do I like to build? I, I really learned early on that you have, just have to be cautious with how you move and, um, you know, you can trust, but you definitely verify with data. So I like to go meet people in person. And so I, I you know, who do you work with? I work with the people that I've met, you know, people that dress up and show up and are there to participate in the, in the community. So it makes choosing your Web3 community, um, you know, a, li a little more verifiable as far as like, how do you know this person? How do you know their company? It's like, well, I saw them in person. I saw their booth. I experienced their activation or what they're putting out there in the world and enjoyed it so it's time to engage as opposed to oh i saw their cool website online and i you know have never met them and i don't know who they are it's like usually the coolest websites are not the flashiest ones they're like right just a line of text and it's like been there since 98 <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh, that's cool, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. It should be fun. Um, and are you guys, you guys aren't going to eat Denver, are you? you yep. Should. No, we are. You are? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. We'll yeah. There. That's really exciting. We'll have to share all of the schedules and Google sheets and all of the exciting events that are happening. Supermoon, who I mentioned earlier, they're sponsoring a house. I actually love going to these houses at conventions. Like, 
hotels are totally like 2018 not the lifestyle <laughs> not the lifestyle anymore it's all about these founder houses and launch houses just because it's really a you know a great place to meet people from all over who are um super interested in the ecosystem just like you like where do you go meet pokemon go fans you go to a pokemon go meetup right right um so i'm, I'm excited to know about you guys, do you guys have anything particular on your list that you're going to tack off there uh, I've got a few parties that uh, some founders that I've interviewed want us to come to. So we've got a few of those set up. A uh, new protocol from Bancor called Carbon and um, and some other stuff. So um, yeah, we're 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 starting to get scheduled up. Um, had a few people to reach out to me on uh, Twitter, but uh, nothing super planned. This is my first ETH Denver. So uh, from what Mine I understand too. from from what I understand from folks, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of something where it's cool to kind of get planned with some parties and stuff, but you really kind of have to go with the flow. It's kind of like a full blown experience thing um, and a bit nuts. So I'm kind of looking forward to kind of just like riding it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's like the Super Definitely Bowl of DeFi. Yeah, bring some warm clothes, you yep. know, all of, all of that good stuff. I'm like, Denver, you know. Well, dude, you're in Cleveland here. right now. That's like. It's. It's not that cold here. There's no snow, none at all. Seriously, wow! All yeah. right, that's not crazy. Cold, thank goodness, because I'm still wearing my flip flops. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I got flip flops and shorts on right now. So, but I'm not in Cleveland every day. Every you guys, day that makes me feel better about booking this ticket and going because I'm, you know, that thing we met that we were doing at um, Quantum, shooting that um, that I guess audition for that commercial. Well, yeah, that's yeah. right at the beginning of um, East Denver. So like the 28th through the 2nd or something. So I may come. I was going to be there the 24th. Now I may not come until March 2nd. And so I'm like, who's going to be there? How do I coordinate? And um, I'm glad to know you guys are going. That'll be a lot more fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nah, we'll have a good time. It'll be fun. <laughs> It'll be great. Awesome. Yeah, that's about when, when are you? Are you going the 1st or the 2nd, Brad? Uh, flying out the 1st. Okay. I was thinking about catching the early morning on the second. Yeah, that's um, cool. But I'll either be there the night before that and then rolling out, I think, uh, evening of the fourth. But I haven't said it. Still. You know me, I'm always doing it the last second. Yeah, me absolutely. too. You heard it here, folks. You'll see us all in East Denver. That's... Look for the purple squirrel or meet us for DeFi lunch. That'll be a good yep. time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on and we'll do some stuff with you while we're out there too. get you on a couple of shows maybe while we're out there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe, Brad, for having me. It's It's been such a, a good time getting to chat with you guys. I felt super comfortable getting to chat with you guys because I knew it was going to be um, just like talking to you in real life. There and, you go. Um, I have some people who I would love for you to meet and I'll just continue to tell them about the podcast so that they can come and uh, join us all on stage someday. That sounds great, man. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for Absolutely. having me, guys. Have a good one, and I'll keep listening. So um, definitely feel free to you know drop hints and and schedule for East Denver. Absolutely, right, we'll cool. send you some messages on Telegram too. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Take guys. care. Thanks, bye, bye. Matt. All right, buddy. All right. Good guy. I like Matt. Yeah, you know it's funny when we met him. I felt like I had known him for. I don't know, years, months, whatever. And I was like, and then I was talking and I remember I said to you, I said, do you know him? And you're like, no, I just met him. And so it was like, it was so weird that we had all felt so comfortable with him. 
um, his whole like um, vibe, demeanor, all of it. And, um, you know, and it was an instant meeting. And you yeah. know, he's really, he told me that ATM story. And I was just cracking up because I kept thinking of like a breaking bad scene or, you know, people stealing like ATMs and pulling them down the street with a pickup truck somewhere. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> but just a super Nibble good says, guy. And he's, hmm? Nibble Go says, that was great. I love hearing from folks with dirt under their fingernails. Yeah, that's awesome, man. He is, he's out there just kind of beating the bushes he's this guy's a master at networking let me tell you he uh he, he's he's really really good at uh at networking and uh building a network and uh you know uh, getting the best out of people so he's a good guy we enjoyed meeting him getting to know him i, I think i think what also is if i remember correct i think he was like a performer a singer performer for like 10 years on cruise ships and things like that before i think it he all was. ended in the pandemic and so that's why he kind of has a nice you know, he's comfortable and, you know, yeah. like any, any actor would be or performer. And that's what I kind of felt like really cool with him at the very beginning. And, you know, yeah. he's kind of an operating in an area that we're not really operating in. So he's a yeah, good absolutely. value add for everything that we're doing. So a super cool guy. Yeah. What do we got I here? Climb into, I didn't climb into the details of this, but I think, was it Shizzy that was into Astar network? Who, who somebody in our community so. was checking out Astar. So, this is a shitty. this is a good sign. I didn't climb into the details of the deal, but Sony is um, Sony is uh, working with Astar for a Web three incubation program. Uh, so I assume mm. they're ponying up some cash. They're going to look for people that are doing consumer electronic kind of plays on the blockchain. But uh, let's see. Uh, applications open on February seventeenth. Let me see if there's any details there. Web3 incubation program, developing Web3 projects with leverage the knowledge and resources of Sony Network Communications and Astar. Um, no money. Oh, yeah. Tech and financial support. Uh, grow your Web3 startup with Sony and Astar. So I guess there's the potential to use um, some of the tools and capabilities within uh, the Sony network uh, and infrastructure. So anyway, Shizzy said, I love Astar. And Niblet said, and 453 trillion, 654 billion, blah, blah, blah. Other tokens other that tokens. Shizzy loves. <laughs> the Shizzy index. The Shizzy index. The, shiz the, the whole shiz market. The Shizdex. It's the Shizdex. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, go. Shizzy says only 62 tokens right now. Well, anyway, uh, evidently Sony loves Astar, so good pick, man. I don't know if they had a nice boost on price uh, because of this, but that's certainly uh, good to see, uh, I would say. Shizzy Dex yeah. is basically just CoinGecko. Nice of the CoinGecko guy to make him a custom list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny as shit. That's funny. I He's love it. I love exploring new though. shit. Yeah, I, he, he has had good picks. picks. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. So SEC sued Do Kwan, but um, let me see if I can find. There was another article I had um, on the what? How much it was of, a scam up front? Well, kind of yeah, and then the regulatory land grab <laughs> that. Um, that uh, the SEC is trying to do in this. They're trying to get all of their qualifications for what's a mark. I mean, um, what's a security, et cetera, et cetera, inside of this, uh, inside of this um, uh, lawsuit. I'm assuming yep. they hope that, you know, Doe's going to fight them and fight back in court so they can get it into court. But anyway, um, they, this article on the four things that were, um, 
what were discovered from the filing based on the SEC's accusations, obviously uh, not proven yet, but they do provide, uh, from what somebody said, a, a, a mountains of information uh, in the filing um, that is more than the normal uh, SEC lawsuit filing in terms of the evidence to back it up. So anyway, um, the stability was a complete and conscious fabrication. Um, it looks like somebody said it was Jump Network uh, that did this, but they had a third party uh, that purchased masses of amounts of UST to help restore the $1 bag, peg of UST. Mm -hmm. um, Do Quan has still been cashing out, um, evidently um, tracing back to the Bitcoin that they bought, that a ton of that Bitcoin is still not sold and has been transferred out, and that they had um, him specifically cashing out $100,000 with the BTC when he was in Serbia. So they're still, they're still grifting off the off the original investors in there. Um, and the whole idea of this deal with Chai, right, a big part of the sales pitch was that Chai, um, the South Korean payment network was being was using the Terra network for their transactional for storing the transactions. Well, turns out not so much. <laughs> it turns out that he popped up a server that could read all of the existing transactions on the Chai network and then was basically pretending that they were real transactions on the Terra network in some way. I have no idea the details of it, but evidently everything about that relationship with Chai was bullshit. Uh, a total, uh, a total mm. crock of shit. Um, and then they this get into the- This one sounds most like Madoff of all the other ones. Right, I mean, absolutely, you know, absolutely. I would, I was always kind of felt that Madoff kind of turned the corner when everything tanked. But then, I don't know if you've seen that documentary. There's like four episodes. It's on Prime or Netflix. But evidently, the whole trader thing that they were raising money. No, the trading operation was, I think, clean. But the investment operation on the floor below never did a single deal. It was a pyramid from day friggin' one. And I always thought it turned in 08. But it had been going on for 30 years of fabrication. So this sounds more like that, and they're going to yeah. crush this guy if they get their hands oh, on him. Yeah, if they can catch him, they're going to they're going to destroy his life. Yeah, like, it's over. It's over. Um, I saw. Let's see. Strike now allows businesses to send USD through the Bitcoin Lightning mm -hmm. Network. Not sure how they're piggybacking on the network. I'm assuming they're doing some fast swap into Sats cross the network and then back on the other side. They're flipping it back out to USD. I don't know how they are handling you know, the associated fiat network fees with that, but still good to see. And Strike is a powerful application. Yeah. They've done a really good job building that building that platform out. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the primary drivers for, for Lightning um, because they're smart enough in that application to shield the user from the complexities of Lightning and Bitcoin and everything else. You don't have to understand any of it to use this to use this tool. They've made it a dead simple uh, interface. Um, so anyway, I'm impressed that they keep, Keep innovating with that. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what this thread is that I loaded up. Oh, yeah, this was interesting. So I did that whole thread on going tokenless. He, right. So Chainalysis did a um, an analysis of the tokens that were launched on ETH and BNB chains. There were 1.1 million new tokens launched. 40,000 of them, only 40,000 of them achieved significant trading volume. So only 40,000 out of the 1.1 million had any kind of real trading volume. And of those, 9,009, so a quarter of those were essentially pump and dump schemes. 
So they've trained their network to be able to find tokens and see where they're actually being manipulated as pump and dump. So fully a quarter of the 40,000 that had any volume were um, pump and dump schemes, leaving us at about 30,000, 31,000 um, that had any real trading volume out of 1.1 million tokens that were actually created last year. So Ooh. yeah, it's, uh, look, I mean, you know, Obviously, a lot of garbage gets created, people trying shit out and, and, and all of that. But, um, you know, the, but one but one point oh five million did nothing. Yeah, that's so weird to me that there would be that many. And that's only on two um, chains. That's only yeah. ETH and BNB. That's not counting everything else. Yeah, I mean, but so I guess those are the ones that always end up in your wallet when they like come in they dump you know forty thousand tokens of something and you're like never heard of it and there's no price yeah exactly um, like hobby tokens or something yeah that's really bizarre yeah it's kind of crazy uh, i thought that data was pretty nuts so anyway what's cool is is that chain analysis has this heuristic now that can detect pumps and dumps um which is which is also really interesting so uh, the most they tracked it down to specific wallets, and the most pro prolific pump and dump token creator launched 264 tokens in 2022 that were all pump and dump schemes. They estimate that the pump and dump schemes made them that one creator 30 million dollars in profits. Wow, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, but you're looking over your shoulder now for the rest of your life. Yeah, unless you had enough sense to really do it anonymously all the way through. But yeah, you're right. You're scared. So uh, let's see what else we got here today. You know, oh. one thing I was going to... Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll go after this. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. There was a lot of buzz in the channel this morning about, um, you know, the Mission DeFi, DeFi Lunch Telegram about, you know, China stimulus money coming in. And, and one thing I don't even know if we mentioned, we were talking about it last week, but that Hong Kong is going to supposedly all crypto is going to be fully legal as of june 1st I, do anything you want yeah i saw some clarifications on the licensing of that um and i i've just seen diff battling articles about it and i haven't read anything yet but that sounds pretty fascinating i mean almost well, I, here's the thing though can you trust that that'll that'll stay stay around right yeah i know that's that's kind of the rub there but i find it interesting that one with this, you know, there's another play. What is it? Uh, is it CVX that's been ripping the last couple of days, which is a, a fully regulatory compliant blockchain in um, in China right now, in, in mainland China. Really? And I think it was CVX. Uh, it might be CRX. I can't remember. But but um, it's if you just search on any of like CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko, all the coins for the top performer, it's up there in the top two or three. And I looked at the other one. Remember that, like, when I was in the um, tracking Chinese pork production? Pig yeah, X? yeah, yeah. That's been ripping lately, too. I mean, oh, nice. it's up like six. I mean, of course, I was down like 99%. So it's been up a bunch. But, uh, you know, something's ripping there. And so that's one of the things we hadn't been talking a lot about. And, you know, you know, maybe that's what's holding everything in place right now. I mean, despite... You know, when we look at, like, say, the TA and all the triple resistance and everything, it's sort of like it, it seems like it should be tanking already, you know, yeah. but it's not. I know. So crazy. I'm wondering if that's the thing that we haven't really been paying enough attention to. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sean says 3%. I mean, Sean, Chuck says 3% success rate for those tokens is about the same as tech startup success rates. That's interesting. Good that point. point. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Niblet says if China's. 
stems on the one hand, does that inflation pump work against the Fed's tightening to control inflation? Um, I don't think it's much here. Um, I mean, unless it's affecting the price of exports, you know, China manufacturing to the U.S., but I don't, I don't think it will do that. I think it's more about trying to bail out the real estate sector yeah, and that right? fourteen trillion dollar goose egg that's sitting there. Yeah, um, makes sense. But that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shizzy says China legalizes crypto in the bear so they can rug pull in the bull. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Niblet says yes, price of exports. Yeah. So. So um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it's so complicated. I just have a feeling most of that money stays there, is my guess, and doesn't really, because we're already moving a lot of the supply chains out. I mean, I'm talking we, U.S., to like Mexico, and I think uh, a lot of it's going to Canada, too, evidently, um, to get it closer. So I don't know, probably some, but I don't think it's enough to counter the Fed. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is... Um uh, this is a little investing strategy uh, that gives you single-sided exposure to a farm token and and the yield from it. Um, really interesting. It was that token Thena on Bic, uh, BNB, I think is where it is. Mm -hmm. um, and they're using Tarot and they're doing like a rotating lending protocol. Anyway, I'll put this in the show notes. We don't have time. I've got a hard stop today, but we don't yeah. have time to um, run through all the details of it. But I will put a link to it in the show notes because I thought it was a pretty interesting strategy. Uh, so you folks may want to take a look at it. Um, he's also got a good sense of humor the way he writes his, his strategy up. So uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, do, 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 let's see. Oh, uh, Canto has been completely overwhelmed for their hackathon. I'm a judge in it and I'm having to, oh. uh, we're having to pre-screen, uh, because there's over 50 submissions for pro new projects, uh, coming into the Canto hackathon. So we're having to pre-screen them down so that the live hackathon, we can have only a, a select few left to go through. Um, but surging pretty significantly. And there was something else in the ad here that I want in this uh, tweet about what was going on on Canto that I wanted to try to find and talk about, but I, eh, I can't find it. I'll, we'll find another time. But anyway, Canto Hackathon was blowing up. And I got to tell you, I'm seeing some really powerful projects uh, in the list. Oh, this was the thread that, and I'll put it in the show notes, but this was the thread uh, uh, that details out uh, the shit that um, uh, the SEC is going for uh, to try to set precedent in the Do Kwan lawsuit. Uh, they're just basically making a, you know, a regulatory land grab via regulatory by enforcement. Um, so I'll send that in as well in the show notes so people can kind of see. Yeah, but, you know, look. It's, you know, it's because Congress is doing nothing. You know, yeah, exactly. if nobody's going to exactly. legislate law, then they're going to just throw it out there and see what sticks. Because they're under a tremendous amount of pressure from outside of, like, legislative people to, like, get this shit straight precisely because of the fact that everybody fears it's going to go overseas. So now they're just basically yeah. saying, let's get it all in the courts and let's get this stuff defined. We don't give a shit what Congress says at this point. Um, and let's just well, get it done. So. And they want their right. power and authority. So if they can set it in court, then they have a better chance than what they'll get out of Congress. That's for sure. Right. Because Congress will never get their act together on this. They just won't. Right. Um, exactly. And so well, you and it's easier for and... Congress to kick the can down the road and say, ah, that fucking SEC, they're out of control. Yeah. And then, you know, not talk about the other 16 regulatory organizations you know, it's like <laughs> exactly. that are in the mix too. So uh, I, so I kind of like these when, plus, you know, those guys were, I mean, that was a scam. So, you know, I mean, I would say this is so much more of a scam than, say, the FTX stuff was. 
You know, to me, FTX stuff was really, you know, fucking up with customer money, basically, but investing in a bunch of other shit and then get caught in a, get caught in a downdraft um, yeah. when BTC price. But this was, you know, Doquan and I guess 3AC was in the mix there, too. Were they in that article as well with Doquan on that charge thing or no? What was Doquan in the charges? No, no, the three AC. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. All right. So, you know, you look at this, this was one you go set precedent on because it's not as complicated. Yeah. It's easier. So in this, we'll go through a quick couple, couple of these real quick. The SEC alleges rep tokens to be securities because they are a receipt for a security and a stable coin to be a security yeah. because it is a right to subscribe or purchase a security. So what they're basically trying to say is, is because it represents something else that they think they can define as a security, then it makes that a security, be it the stable coin or the wrapped ETH or what have you. Yeah. So, um, he said the East, the receipt theory can be leveraged to indirectly target crypto assets such as ETH by bringing an action against the issue of a corresponding wrapper and arguing the wrapper asset is a security. So therefore, the wrapper is a receipt for a security. Um, the SEC theory that a stable coin that's convertible to security is a right to purchase or subscribe to a security can be used against almost any crypto asset. FinCEN uses this reasoning to regulate all crypto assets as monetary value because they're convertible to money. And he says the um, SEC reasons that a token without native yield is an investment contract because purchasers expected profits based on the ability to deposit tokens into a yield protocol supported and marketed by the issuer. This may be leveraged against L1 and L2 grants and DeFi liquidity programs. I think in this case, you know, if you're going to issue it, don't be also the provider of yield fracks. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, also, there's um, another, I don't know if this is in this article, but there's another set of talk coming out of different groups, which is that, you know, they're really trying to model this now after how you do TradeFi type investments. So whereas anybody that has a fund that's taking in money to do crypto is now going to have to be a registered broker dealer. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if they're going to go retroactive on that or not, because if you're funding with USDC, then, you know, only in TradeFi, certain like people can have custody of assets. Um, there's very few, you know, there's not bazillions of them. So they're really trying to do this here and whether that's makes sense or not, I'll, I'll leave it to everybody else, but you know, they're putting new rules in, they're looking at everything that's happened in the last five years in ways that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah. So, you know, anybody, you know, just needs to really dot their eyes and cross those T's right now. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and if you didn't file, you know, proper exemptions and proper documents with the SEC, then you're probably in trouble anyway. Um, oh, even those who have filed the, the loose filing ones, because they're still custodying stuff. So, right. you know, they're going to fall into that broker dealer area and, you know, they don't look too kindly on that, but yeah, it's crazy times. So, yep. Um, this is an interesting post. You know what? I'm out of time actually. Um, yeah. this is an interesting go. post. I'm going to post it up, but, uh, <clears throat> very interesting. Um, uh, post on the 11 greatest investors of all time. I thought it was really cool. Um, look at it because it shows the difference between some of them that are value or fundamentals based investors versus TA uh, and algorithmic investors. So like the first one, two, three, I think like the first five out of it, six out of it, were all value or fundamentals based uh, macro. And then we, you know, we of course had uh, TA and uh, algorithmic uh, Simons, who was mean reversion and algorithmic. So it's a really interesting article, just interesting thing for people to take a look at uh, and see what's been successful longer term uh, in the investment world. So it's good.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those people all rode the wave of post-World War II um, societal advance, you know, and expansion. So, yeah, you exactly. know, that's, that's kind of... Uh, I don't Nibble know if those said, guys Yeah, today. one equals... <laughs> yeah, uh, Nibble said one is equal to or greater than USD's at scale is a Rube Goldberg machine drawn by M.C. Escher. <laughs> and Shizzy said, is Nancy Pelosi number one on that investor list? Yeah, probably so. Uh, that, that's just congressional insider congressional insider yeah, trading is yeah, totally legal yeah they don't have a category for insider trading success uh, i don't think on that list so anyway all right joe i gotta wrap it up i gotta bye, run bye. but uh great show today thank you everybody thank you shizzy niblets chuck uh that's it thanks so much for participating today glad you guys are here we appreciate and love you all thank you for listening and watching if you're watching on apple podcast or Spotify, please make sure you rate and review us. It always helps boost our uh, boost us in the algorithm. And if you're watching on YouTube, please sure and subscribe, click the little bell, and smash the thumbs up so that uh, we also get boosted over there. We appreciate you. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Brad. All right, guys. See you tomorrow. Have a good one.